Hi everyone, I'm Kevin Miller and welcome to The Ziggler Show. In this episode, what will your new normal be? Most everyone's lives have been significantly disrupted in 2020 by COVID-19. The concept of a new normal is a hot topic as many businesses now have reopened and they're looking at schools reopening and things. So are we going to go back to normal? And if so, do you want to? And so, of course, I wanted to hear from you, Ziggler listeners. So I posted a question on my personal Facebook page at Agent K as in Kevin, Agent K. Miller, where you're welcome to, or I invite you to join us in these discussions. Um, and, but I ask, what aspects of your new normal do you want to retain, even if things were to get back to the way they were? Well, from the submissions, here are some of the aspects that were covered. You know, will you work from home and continue to? Will you send kids back to school and all the extracurricular activities and rushing around? Will you eat out as much or keep cooking at home? Uh, what about the new personal time for yourself and with your family? Will you keep that up? Will you keep investing in hobbies and personal projects that you began? Will you continue the increased outside time? And these are just some of the issues that Tom Ziegler and I read and talked through. But it brings up the need and opportunity for all of us to ask some big questions and really ponder some important and, and I think, I hope, exciting decisions about what we want to go back to or not. Uh, these are happening in my own family right now. So I'll bring Tom uh, to you and get started reading through and talking through the responses right after I share some great products and services with you. Well, Tom, I did want to hit just the current events. I mean, this is where we are right now. This show will be listened to for many years to come. But as of June 2020, we are still heavily amidst the COVID-19 issue. They've released a lot. I know in my town, restaurants are pretty much open now for the most part. They have even in the past week opened up, though I see the news and you know to what you can believe and not that there's some rise again of it. So will they shut things down? Who knows? Either way, it has altered pretty much everyone's lifestyle to some degree. And so I'm not the first one to ask the question. I just wanted to have a, an authentic discussion about it to answer that. What do you want your new normal to be? And, uh, you know, Tom, I mean, in reality, it changed for you. It changed obviously Ziggler live events and you went from having people come in constantly and hosting live events to doing those online. But for you, I assume business went back to no, or your business continued. And to some degree, I think you said you were working even more. I don't know if your home life changed much, I guess, socially, you weren't going to church and stuff Were there, were there significant changes for you? So a bunch of significant changes, uh, you know, everything went online for our business, all of our uh, training that we were doing in the classroom last week, we did our first Ziegler legacy certification online. Uh, and it was really fantastic. We've been doing coaching and things like that online for a long time. We do a lot of webinars. So the one of the ways that we reach out uh, as far as training content and also marketing is webinars. And in the first three weeks of the lockdown, I think I did over 80 webinars. Wow. Uh, another thing that's happened is you've got to reach the people and solve problems in a different way. In the last couple of months, I've written two eBooks that have addressed this very situation because we don't know how long we're going to be in it. Yeah. So we've got to find solutions now. I mean, yep. and, you know, that's, 
that's what we've got to do. So, but my, my work routine is kind of the same. I still get up at five and I still do all that stuff from five until about nine. Yeah. Well, and you know, for a lot of people, yeah, that that was what's different is, you know, work life and home life. And some had dramatic changes on both sides. Some it varied. Well, Hey, I'll just do what we do on these Q and a shows and start running through some of the responses. Jeff here says the biggest thing he has it in, in uh, kind of uh, exaggerate or highlighted quality time. He says it's an interesting question and an important one to consider as things start to open up. Having seen full deployments, he's a Navy guy and multiple other extended missions to relate this experience to the quarantine is a reminder of what is important in life and what values make the top of the priority list. I know it's been difficult for small business owners and families and challenges there. Hopefully most of us take away a new work-life balance and notice that when we are all forced to slow down a bit, how introspective work can benefit you, those around you and your family. Uh, Walks with the family, time to read a book or something to help you grow, a board game with the kids. Uh, There's only so much Netflix you can watch uh, before you're elevated to an understanding that the only non-renewable resource you have is time. And when you validate quality time as a love language, it speaks to all of us in a profound and meaningful way. Uh, Really insightful. Obviously, as I often say, hear the audience on Facebook that's listening right now and our podcast audience are an aspiring people, an aspiring demographic. So by far and large, I'm going to expect that most of them did take more advantage of the time and as opposed to those who just uh, stayed on the couch and watched you know, Netflix. That goes to though, what do you want? Do you want to lose that? Are you willing to lose that quality time? And as we go down and read this, so many people talk about that quality time. I, but I know the pressure is going to be so high, Tom. Pressure is going to be high to go back to normal. And some people won't have a choice. Work is work. And now they got to be there and they're going to lose that. I'm hoping that even there, though, well, it goes back to priority. Maybe they'll realize there's some other things they don't want to do so they can still, even amidst the going back to quote unquote normal, they're going to make that time sacred. In essence. That's right. And how much is, you know, how much work is too much? Um, yeah. I was, you know, one of the things that I love to do, I was doing it before, but I'm probably doing it more now is I'm listening to, uh, audible. And, and uh-huh. so I just, I got Malcolm Gladwell's book outliers and he talked about, you know, some groups of people work about a thousand hours a year and others work 3000 hours a year. And both of them seem pretty happy. And now I'm at home and, you know, my commute is 11 seconds and that yeah. includes filling up with coffee so you get that extra time yeah uh something else that i'm doing which is kind of neat is whenever i have a longer phone call that's with uh somebody you have a good relationship with already i'm getting on the elliptical and i'm doing my calls while i'm exercising yeah never would have done that at work uh but I'm just curious, you know, for you, Kevin, what's been your biggest challenge? My biggest challenge has been getting sucked down the rabbit hole, right? Going down social media traps and, you know, and thinking too much about things that really don't matter, but because it pops up and I have the extra time, I go there. Yeah, there has been, you know, as I've, as I've worked, I, well, it's probably just still been the pull of the current event and, wondering i generally look at what's happening in the world today kind of like your dad said 
you know, check out the news, read my Bible in the newspaper so you know what both sides are up to. Right. And I do that, but I have definitely spent, I've admittedly spent more time looking at the news and considering what's going on. And, you know, with the coronavirus and now today, literally today, and this has been since I posted this question, actually, that we're dealing with the race issues. And that's worthy of time and investment. But I can still realize, my gosh, I've been talking about this with somebody and discussing this and looking at it for 45 minutes. It's valuable stuff. I do have my regular work to do. I do still have a family to take care of. So it does, yeah, it feels like um, a lot of distractions as well. Yeah, to what you said, probably just distractions has been has been a bit of an issue, though I've also uh, taken time recently to sequester and just write. And I'm grateful for the lack of extracurricular stuff you know, that used to be going on, especially with family that's not going on now. So I'll pose a question to you and all of our listeners, and that is, I, you know, at Ziegler, one of the things that we like to teach is that when when we get information uh, in, you know, and it could be something uh, like like the pandemic information that's kind of traumatizing, or uh, information that's heartbreaking, like what's going on with the social injustice and and that kind of stuff. I, I look at all that and, and then I think, okay, what can I say to everyone or to myself or to my family, to our customers, to the Facebook world? What can I say that's going to allow you as the, as the person receiving it to, to, to have construction, to go to the next level, to benefit from it? And I'll be real, I'll be real honest. It's, it's, it's been, that's been quite a mind boggler on how to make sense of all this. Uh, and just the COVID-19 stuff, you know, on my Facebook feed, there's, there's two kinds of conversations that are going on. Yeah. And I've just, you know, how do you play the middle and how do you get the wisdom out of that's been something that's been good, but you know, dad, dad always said, you know, uh, you are what you are and where you are because of what's gone in your mind. You can yeah. change what you are. You can change where you are by changing what goes into your mind. And so I try to I gravitate and be intentional about what's going to help me further my own personal development, those in my family who I, I have responsibility for into the world. And that's been it's it's been an interesting time uh, for that. Yeah, I have found it reminded me of of your your mentor Bob Bodine's book, The Power of Who, because I found myself feeling less, almost less and less competent as the days go by, and there's so much media polarized from both sides, and on both sides there's people that I think I respect. And man, it makes it hard. And I'm not out there in the trenches experiencing it myself. And so I have found myself more and more seeking out and relying on people who I really do personally know and trust, who are experts in those areas and who are really on the front lines. And I've been grateful for the opportunity to talk with them uh, and glean from their wisdom that I honestly feel like I, I don't have personally in these areas, these hot topics. And I, and I don't trust what's out there. I, 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 there's, there's, there's so much noise. And so, yeah, it put for me an emphasis back on relationships with the people whose character I can rely on. 
Well, uh, another one here it brings up again a paradigm shift. Terry he says, uh, for me, it's having a much simpler life now. Those overseas trips we were always planning and the highlights of my year have been replaced with enjoying my own home and land. It's the funniest thing. It was right here in front of me all along. Isn't that great? That, uh, I, you know, again, I think we saw, talk about polarizing the time at home with family in our core environments where, you know, I don't remember who, what Sage, you know, talked about it. It was one of those quotes of all time that said, you know, we spend all of our time to create this home and a place to live. And then it spends most of its time vacant while we're gone working to, to, to afford it. And that's always bothered me some, uh, that concept and made me think about how I want to pattern my life after. So now we have everybody spending time in their homes, literally. And the polarization seems to be, and I think, again, we're going to see more people that are listening to the show, people who are seeing the value of it. And it's incredible and glorious and, and wonderful, as opposed to I've heard plenty, especially over in the media, you know, and, and, and less healthy places of people who are struggling because they are stuck at home. They're stuck in a bad environment. And I think there's where you see the mass of people who are generally looking to escape home and go to their place of work, which is oftentimes a better place, a better environment. And it, yeah. it, it, it kind of uh, puts us under a magnifying glass. I, like Terry, have experienced uh, a greater time and enjoyment of, of home, literally. Yeah, I've, I've referred to it uh, as peeling back the onion. Yeah. And, you know, dad taught it the be, do, and have, right? We've got to be the right kind of person, do the right things before we can have all that life has to offer. And when you're locked down at home and everything's disrupted, you suddenly worry about what you have. Am I going to lose what I have? Yeah. Right. And then you look and you say, and what I'm doing is completely different. The way I work is different, or maybe I'm not working at all. And so what that does is it leaves you with the core, which is what's really important anyway. Yeah. And when we look at our core and say, how can I strengthen my core? Of course, our family's part of that. And, you know, we have had a lot of family time. Uh, one of my, one of the benefits is my daughter is a hardcore orange theory workout person. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, of course they close that gym down. And so she comes over here four days a week to do about a 50 minute orange theory workout on her laptop. And then about another 45 minutes on our elliptical. Uh, so what does that mean for me? It means that I get to see her and the grand puppy. Oh yeah. Four times a week that I wasn't seeing before. Yeah. That's, that's wonderful. Well, you know, so, and I'm not going to go through them all. I mean, there are so many people, Eric here, you know, enjoying time with my wife, enjoying good conversation, just watching a movie while enjoying popcorn and ice cream, appreciating the people in my circle and those from my tribe, though miles may separate us. And Jennifer, the closeness I feel with my family, working smarter at home and not just harder and, and on and on. But there are some people then bring up some literal issues that people are grappling with today as we apparently, you know, talk about, if not go back to normal. And I think there's still questions on schools and whatnot. Uh, so let me hit that. Jessica here, she says, uh, it's the simplest things. Today I played 
uh, a staring game with, uh, with no blinking with my kids at breakfast. I woke up ready to go on an adventure, but they wanted to take the morning so, slow. So I slowed down. I met them where they needed and wanted to be. We laughed hysterically and enjoyed being in the moment. Here's what statement. I am done with over planning and over committing my family. I know we deserve better. So right with that, Tom, Abby says it's family time. My kids aren't signed up for a million things. When I take a break from working, they eat lunch with me. They ask me how my day is and now recognize that I work hard for them. They're 10 and 8 years old. Also, I noticed uh, local stores are sold out of bikes and roller skates and skateboards and camping gear. That's really, really cool. Okay, Tom, well, you know, I've got a house full of kids and we strive to lead a non-hurried life, but then we do look at things that, what do we want to expose them to? And I've got, you know, one girl in gymnastics. She loves it. I got one girl heavily invested in dance. She does a lot of uh, classes per week. Uh, I had a boy in soccer. I've got other kids that do cross country and I want them to have those things. And yet over here, just like these ladies, we're realizing, oh my gosh, the value of just being together and talking and going deep. So we've got, you know, love and nurturing and care and the character that comes from our, uh, you know, our interrelational dynamics there. But now, my gosh, you know, exposing a kid to uh, an interest and letting them, you're, you're reading outliers, you know, Malcolm, Max, Max, uh, uh, Malcolm Gladwell, and they're starting to invest their time into something that they can master and become good at, then that is good too. I don't want to give that up. For a lot of people, it's going to be an either or. There's school, there's work, there's so much time, either we do it or we don't, either they have that or they don't. And I know there's also people with kids at home and they're struggling with, my gosh, the kids are at home and all they do is spend their time on a screen doing something of no worth at all. I don't have an answer in there. I, we, we've got an issue that people are grappling with, and I want to address that. I don't know if there is an easy answer. Um, we're going to have to balance that. You had to, you know, you, you experienced the same thing as a kid, as a parent, and that's a big question. Is it worth the stress, the hurried, hurriedness, the disconnectedness that can come with these great extracurricular things? You may have the next Olympic athlete right in your home, you know, and you got to nurture that. Or is it better to have the time? Or how can you do a little bit of both? What do you change? It's big, big questions and decisions. It is. And I was talking with my sister, Julie, and she lives uh, an hour, an hour and a half outside of Dallas. And I said, how are things in the lockdown? Because she moved in right next door to her daughter, son-in-law and their kids. And they have two teenage boys. And she said, it's amazing. We've got our two teenage boys back again. Wow. And I go, what do you mean? And she said, well, you know, they were just typical teenagers, you know, and they had their issues and maybe a little bit short temper, a little bit rude, but they're just happy go lucky and loving and everything. It's like they're, it's like we have our kids back. And I said, what changed? You know, I was thinking she was going to say the lockdown. And she said, you know what changed? She said, well, I was talking with my daughter and we think it's because they're getting enough sleep. Wow. So they're both in high school soccer. And so they were having practice at 7 a.m. And then a couple of nights a week, they'd have a game after school, which wouldn't get them home until 10 at night. And think about the way we are as humans when we're young and our brains and our bodies are growing. We've got to have as much sleep as possible. So I think that's part of it is maybe our bodies are finding the rhythm 
that they were created to have. Hey, teens are, are the worst to deal with in that arena. And I was looking at my bookshelf. I was trying to find the, the book by Jared Cooney uh, Horvath because I'm struggling to find the title. I had him on the show. I was such a fan of that. I saw a video he just recorded and had on Facebook or something recently talking about, uh, he's a doctor, but talking about the teen mind and how important sleep is and having enough sleep. So I've got teenagers and I don't know what it is about teenagers. I was there once too. I just don't hardly remember it, but I don't know what it is. They want to stay up late. I mean, it's like the most important, they want to stay up late. And yet if they have school, they got to get up. And so we have a nation, a world maybe of teenagers whose minds are still in this formative area. I mean, you want memory and creativity and the things that make good academic lives. Uh, you need sleep more than ever. And they're getting the least amount. And that's, that is a big one. And I have noticed that, that my kids, they do want to stay up later, but now they are sleeping later, which of course I'm, you know, the dad up at five like you, and I want them up early, but I also want them to get good sleep. That's huge. I mean, that's, that's going to be an interesting one as we see stats, even on mental health, which are almost always in a decline. Are we going to see any upticks from people who are just flat getting better sleep? I did some research on that sleep. Um, and one of the things that keeps uh, young people up, even adults now, is social media. So they yeah. go to bed at 9 or 10 or 11, whenever the normal time is, but then they're on their phone. Yeah. And there's actually a correlation between uh, sports injuries in high school and college and technology because your body actually repairs itself while you sleep. Yeah. Yep. And if you're not getting enough sleep, it makes you more susceptible to injuries. Yeah. Goodness, it's just, uh, we can't emphasize it enough. I'll tell you folks, if you want to learn more about sleep, go check out my other podcast, the True Life Podcast. We talk about sleep a lot. Matter of fact, we're just about to post episode 31 and we talk about it quite a bit. You are listening to The Ziggler Show and this show on what you want your new normal to be. Next up, Christine shares her newfound value of self-care, not seeing it as a luxury now, but as a necessity. So we'll get right back to her after I share some great products and services with you. Um, Christine, you'll appreciate this one. She says she has learned what she's gotten out of this is the importance of self-care like reading books, learning new skills, exercising, and just a slower paced life. Spending a little time on things I enjoy is not selfish, but healthful, amen, and learning not to feel guilty. It has been so refreshing. Going forward, I have learned to plan these into my schedule instead of leaving them last on my priorities. I guess these would fall in the recreation area of the wheel of life. I have neglected it previously. Insight gained. Oh, she says she and she got insight was gained on this from she's talking to me, your sister Ashley's Eagle's Nest class. Who am I and why am I here? My sister Ashley Logston uh, at 48 Days is who she's referring to who led a class there in their Eagle's community. Um, interesting, Tom. Did you catch what she said there though? She's realizing not to feel guilty that it's important and yes she and yet she says i guess these would fall into the recreation area uh, of the wheel of life it is in the personal spoke where i talk about self-care but i think the reason and i want to point that out the reason for that being that is a full-fledged spoke in and of itself because if we don't tend to ourselves then we're not going to tend well to many other people. It was uh, Adrian Bankert who I just had on the show. Uh, we did, as a matter of fact, she was the first 
Facebook Live uh, I did. And she's, she's an ABC national uh, news correspondent. And when I asked her about, relation, or about self-care, she said that that is number one on her list because she realized that if she does not care for herself well, she takes it out on other people. And she spoke that kind of in a, you know, cultural, as a humanity thing. We do that. If we don't take care of ourselves, the deficit, the negligence, we take out on other people. So to take that as a necessity, not a luxury, and that is, you know that that's, I don't know where we got that perspective, maybe culturally in America more so that, you know, you go out there and you work and you serve and you, you do the grind. Time for yourself is a luxury. Well, maybe if time for yourself is, you know, playing video games and stuff, but self-care, like what she said, learning skills, reading books, exercising, contemplative life. We have lost the gravity of those. Yes, we have. And in the, in the book, Choose to Win, I cover that in the personal chapter, mm-hmm. personal spoke of the wheel. And basically the way I define it is self-care or things that bring you energy. We, we are not a, you know, yeah. this endless reservoir of constantly renewable uh, from the inside out. We've got to get help, right? We've got to be poured into we, and we have to take responsibility for pouring into ourselves. And of course, spiritually, I think we need to connect to God and the creator and get renewed in our energy uh, from that perspective yeah. as well. But this is something that's interesting. Even yesterday, I was working with a business owner and we were talking about challenges they face. And I said, well, when a job goes in and it's not done right, what do you do? He goes, well, I go and fix it. And I think that's the way, you know, and I said, well, why do you fix it? Why don't you think of another way? And it really came down, a large part of it was guilt, right? It's, it's his business, it's got his name on it, it's his responsibility to go and fix it. And then we do that over and over again to the point where we just don't have the, the energy, the capacity or the ability to grow and do more and, I, and so the illustration I was trying to make was, hey, wait a second. If we fill ourselves up and give ourselves the energy and then think, okay, what is the relationship? Would our creator want us to suffer? And then because of that suffering, other people suffer. Or would our creator want us to be fulfilled and energized to where we have the, the mental clarity and capacity to teach those around us to do it right. Yeah. Right. To transfer that because of course we can do the job. That's, we can all do the job, but what if we transfer that? And the challenge is, is it takes more mental acuity, right? It takes intentionality. It's easier just to do it yourself, but we wear ourselves out in the process and we're not serving the best picture. I I love it. You, you talked about, you know, just, just bringing energy. I, and I first heard it, I've heard it other from other people, and I, I don't know who, co- who coined the concept. Maybe it's as old as the hills, and I just didn't know. But it was actually John Eldridge, who I was uh, in a room with him, and he talked about the difference between 
relief that that's what we've gotten to do. That's self-care these days. Self-care is you come home, you sit down, flip your shoes off, you know, grab a bag of chips and watch TV or something. That's relief. Not going to diss that. I enjoy that too, but that is just, that's relief. That's, that's, you know, stopping the car at a gas station and, you know, giving it a rest for a second. That's not renewal. Renewal is new tires, oil, uh, taking care of new spark plugs that when do we take time for that to renew ourselves, to rejuvenate ourselves, to fill ourselves up and equip ourselves so we can go out and pour out in abundance. And man, that's just, I don't know where we lost that perspective. Me too. I, I spent a lot of my time as a parent, you know, over the last couple decades thinking it's just pour out, pour out, pour out, pour out. And finally we got hit with some wisdom. My wife and I realized, man, we can, we're, we're pouring out, we're dribbling. We're just dribbling out. We don't have much support because we aren't taking care. And the amount of gravity to use that word again and focus on self-care, man, it's we've increased it tenfold. And it is now priority so that we're, we can be the best we can to pour out. Such a different perspective. Well, hey, speaking of different perspectives, here's a couple of people who didn't really love everything that happened with this, you know, current, uh, COVID issue as far as that time away from things. So Wayne here, he says, I, I, I can't think of anything I like about where we are. I've worked out of my home for two decades. So there's no, no real change there, but I don't like that. I couldn't get out for coffee and lunch. I miss going to church gatherings. It'll be interesting to see how different industries respond to this. Necessity is the mother of invention, and I'm looking forward to seeing how our country adapts and changes. New and different businesses will pop up, maybe some old ideas being brought back in. He puts in quotes like drive-ins. I've heard that a lot, drive-in theaters. Uh, But right after that, just to add on to it, Tom, Cindy, she says, my experience of the new normal has been more negative and positive. My days run the same, except not getting to go to church. Don't get to see clients. So I think I would have to say the experience taught me to really appreciate hugs, seeing and spending time with people, being intentionally nice or caring towards people in all life, but especially those in service fields. This experience has taught me that I don't want the new normal. I want to appreciate the things that were taken away or were turned into drama while we were staying at home. So learning how to keep positives alive is the only takeaway for me. And there were other people that Tom that posted that it's taught them to uh, be more grateful for what they had, not take things for granted. So I can see that for sure. And it's interesting, you know, you look at personality styles, if those are people who get more energy out of social gatherings, I would guess. Yeah. And there's, you know, we know for a fact, I, I love my quiet time. I mean, I love just getting into it. And but I've also got cabin fever. I mean, I've just got to tell you that I miss getting together with friends. I I really do. I miss, uh, you know, a good buddy of mine when, uh, who I work with. He'd come down from Kansas a couple of th- a couple of times. Well, at least once a month. And we do some stuff together that you, you just you can't replicate it on a Zoom call. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and there's something about. Uh, Golly, you know, as humans, what we do is we pick up body language and smile and all the little things. And I don't know, I've got pent up a need for hugs and a need to give hugs. So I can't wait till that breaks loose. <laughs> I, I, I get that boy. My wife, uh, we had, what was it, about a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, kind of when they were releasing things. And we went to a couple events, a couple social gatherings, uh, not huge. I think, you know, eight people or whatever. It's supposed to be under 10, something like that. 
And it was just food for her, her soul. Now I am not as energized by social gatherings, but for her, she literally, one of them, she cried a little bit. She said, I just didn't realize how much I was missing it. Of course, you know me, Tom, I'm thinking, are you kidding me? We got 10 people at the house all the time, but it was still different. It was, it was different people, different grownups. Uh, Amy here, she says, continuing to show up more boldly and bravely every day with video and messages on social media, being interviewed on trauma to serve everyone, continuing to navigate this ever-changing crisis and making more and more programs and resources available to women and couples especially. It actually continues to be a really anointed time for me to reach others. And that's interesting. She is a uh, coach or counselor, I think, and kind of like you, Tom. You know, she talked about the effort to go from the normal client gatherings to the online seems to have maybe, I don't, I don't know, you experienced it made you have to focus more on kind of maybe the working smarter, being intentional. How can I really connect with this person remotely? And maybe it helped connect even more than normal just because of the intentionality. Is that relevant? Yeah, it is. And you know, with our business and doing a lot of webinars and zoom calls, uh, I've, I've learned how to, to lead a call different. I ask tons of questions when I've got a live group there and we've got chat and the ability to go back and forth. I ask a question almost every minute from the audience. And, and, you know, it's funny because in a room with physical cues, you know, when people are paying attention Yeah. But on, on zoom, you don't, right. You don't know yeah. unless you ask a question and then 40 people all chat in at the same time. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, it's very effective, but it's also selfish. When you give feedback, when you're on a Facebook Live and you're watching this and you're chatting in and you're sending hearts and likes, and you know when you're a podcast listener and you go to Kevin's page and you leave comments, that gives the host a lot of energy. It gives the person presenting a lot of energy, and the benefit to bringing, you know, to giving energy is it gets it comes back to you. Yeah. It comes back to you in so many different ways. Yes, it does. That's that's been an interesting dynamic to see. Um, you speaking of work. So Jennifer here, she says, "I hope America changes its thinking towards allowing more working from home. Uh, that allows so much more flexibility. There'd be less overhead for companies and gas used for commutes, etc." I haven't paid attention in recent weeks. I know that initially we were hearing news again, to whatever level you can, you can believe or has credibility, but news that uh, about pollution and the great increase, you know, not only that, that was globally, I don't know where that is at this point, but I, I, I'm to understand there were some great increases there, but that working from home, Tom, again, I, I have not pursued any information on what's happening. Have you heard or looked into that on any predictions on let's say that tomorrow the doors were open theoretically to everybody could go back to normal on if a certain percentage of companies are going to allow that if, if i'm correct i did see something like twitter said nobody has to come back to work ever uh yep. as a company thing but i haven't listened to much more on it have you well this is what i know um somewhere around 15 percent before all this happened work from home and now it's over 60%. Okay. And that's because of the mandate. And so the question is, what percentage is going to come back? Right. And as near as I can tell, uh, I don't, I, I think it's going to probably end up being between 30 and 40% working from home the majority of the time. So what does that mean? That's a big deal. 
it's a huge deal and it changes everything. If I'm an architect, I'm, I'm, I'm designing homes that have bigger uh, home offices. Oh yeah. Uh, people are going to be leaving cities because uh, why do I have to live near downtown where I work when I don't have to go into the office except for maybe once a week or every two weeks, I can get a lot more house for a lot less money. Uh, you know, there's a lot of advantages to all this. Uh, and so it's just, you know, I, I tell people and I advise this, you know what? It's not going to be better. It's not going to be worse. It's going to be different. And, you know, I'm looking at, you know, people talk a lot about the new normal and will we go back to normal? And you know what I think? I think we have the ability in our own mind to choose how we look at it. Yeah. And if we say, you know what, it's just different. Let's love the differences. And let's embrace it. The longer we hold on to the way it was longingly, the more difficult and the more frustrated the transition is going to be. The people who always do well in situations like this are the ones who do two things. They accept what is, and then they look for the problems that need to be solved. And there's tons of problems out there that need to be solved right now. And so if I accept what is and I start focusing on solving problems, then that's going to bring purpose and meaning and joy to my life because there's nothing greater than solving a problem for somebody and being rewarded with their certificate of appreciation, which which Rabbi Lappin says. Yeah. But look at it. You know, we had on one of our webinars, we had one of the greatest speakers of all time. His name is Jim Cathcart. And he was talking about in sales, he said in sales, when we prospect, the word that people use is cold calling. He says, it's not cold calling, it's new calling. There's nothing cold about that call. It's just a new call, right? You're calling somebody who's new to you. And so even the little words that we use in our own mind about how we look at the situation, hey, you know what, this is different. That's okay. There's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of benefits in the different. How can I maximize this situation? Yeah. And I look at it and I see lots of places to maximize. Now, I, you know, my human nature, my individualism, my, my desire for freedom and autonomy to make my own decisions. I don't like being told I can't go do something. Right. So when that door opens up where I can, where it's easy and I'm not threatened and it's, you know, not jeopardizing myself or my family, hey, I'm going to walk through that door wide open, but it's not going to go back to where it was because I like some of the different. Well, you talked about solving problems and you stated a couple of other things. I thought, man, that's interesting how, you know, where where people can make benefit of this time, too, is looking at the opportunities and you just talked about a couple that I hadn't really thought about. Yeah. With real estate and home building, bigger homes to have a home office for those huge percentage of people that are going to be working for home, man, what opportunity is in there in multiple industries and leaving cities, Tom, I hadn't thought about that. And I've, I've, you know, commented on that for years as we'll drive around the country and you got so many deserted rural areas. And now I don't live in a, I live in a flourishing little mountain town, but about half of them commute down to Colorado Springs to work. Cause there's not a lot of work up here, unless you're a guy like I am who, you know, works remotely like this, but how many more people are going to want to move up here? You know, what opportunities in real estate are there? My guess the car industry 
Actually, that's just going to go backwards. It would seem like people are going to buy less cars. There's less car maintenance because you've got whatever that percentage of the population uh, not doing that. But what other things are they going to partake of that they didn't before? Man, I'll tell you this, Tom. So uh, you've been up here and we've got, you know, right past my house, about a mile and a half is a trailhead down to a mountain lake. That thing has been uh, packed every day. Does not matter what time. I saw a post a Colorado posting somewhere today about that. So that's literally in the news. It is now a problem that trailheads around are overcrowded, cars stacked up. But again, to think about, for one, I'm great that that's that, that people are getting outdoors, but what does that mean? You know, more outdoor equipment, more people interested in their health and wellness, more fishing gear. I see the fishing gear going by here is outrageous and we don't even have a place to buy that stuff up here. Uh, yeah, yeah, we do actually with some high end, some really high end places, yada, yada. Anyways, that'd be a fun, that'd almost be a fun other show to do, to do some predictions, maybe even to get somebody who is an expert in the economy and what's happening right now and say, gosh, where are some things that are going to go away and some things, because we know that anything goes away, it's going to be filled over here in another format. That'd be fun. Okay. We'll come back to that one. All right, let's do let's do one more here. Mia, she says, her benefit has been understanding that time is elastic. If I have learned anything, it is that I have time. When I relook at my calendar for the last two years, I wonder how much travel was necessary. Who else could have done it? Even though work ramped up for me, I had time. And when I was standing in a queue to get into a local grocery store, there was no question as to, is there something better I could be doing? Rather, the statement was, wow, I have time to do this. I truly hope that my understanding of time becomes the new normal and there is no longer this need to rush the clock. I mean, to some degree, Tom, even the other things that we talk about, it's, it's people are talking about here are the things that I was able to do because of time. I mean, that, that's probably the biggest issue that came out of this with not being able to go out to work, to social, to engagements, to duties, to whatever. We were forced to have time. And what did we do with it? That could have almost been the topic of this question is just say, hey, you had more. Most everybody did. What did you do with it? And what of that do you want to retain? And I guess the next question for a lot of folks, if their circumstances are going to go back, meaning they're going to, you know, school is going to, if it does open up, if their business or their, the, the place they work is going to open up, what are they going to hold on to, try to, and how? And I wonder if we'll see, I mean, my gosh, how many people will just not take the job back if it requires them to go to work? That'll be interesting. I, I don't know how it's going to pan out. You know, I think, um, and this is a real leadership challenge. And, and for those of you who wanted, I wrote a book called, uh, it's an ebook. You can get it. It's called uh, Inspiring and, and Leading the Remote Workforce. Yep. You can go to Ziegler.com forward slash remote. It's a free download. But the, but the book talks about how in leading people who were working from home, it's going to take a different kind of leadership and it's going to take a much more engaged, a much more coaching style, a much more, Hey, you know, why are you working in the first place? What are your dreams and goals? And people who are naturally high performers, very skilled and talented in a certain area. I think their standards have changed for what they're going to put up with. Right. Because there's options now. There's yeah. a lot of places I can go. And if I can work from home, 
it means that I'm not locked in geographically to a place of work down the street. I can do the same thing in a lot of different places. That's always been a possibility, but both sides of the equation didn't see it. Yeah. Right. Leaders said, well, we've always done it this way, so we're going to do it this way. And workers said, hey, you know what? I've always gone in, so not going in would be kind of weird. Now we've got that opportunity. So I think there's a real opportunity right now for people who understand leading people through not what I want to accomplish or, or solely what I want to accomplish, but through, through collaboration, through saying, hey, what are your dreams and goals? And if you work on this with me, I think we can get your dreams and goals faster than if you do, don't work on this with me. Yeah. So I just pulled up Ziggler.com and I see uh, the first pop-up was Stronger Action Guide, which we talked about. I'm just wanting to direct them. Where can they get it's, that You book? just got to type in Ziggler.com forward slash remote. Oh. oh, goodness. Okay. Forward slash remote. That, that'll take you to that book. Okay, cool. Well, hey, as always, uh, such great uh, input from everybody. Tom, it's always fun to talk about this and to uh, ponder the wisdom of our audience and uh, consider where we could find the best opportunities right now. It's just got me thinking on where, what time do I want to, what time do I want to retain the value of time? Thank you, brother. All right. Be blessed. Thanks everybody on the podcast and on the Ziggler Facebook live. I appreciate you tuning in. All right, friends, just great content for us all to ponder what normal we want to go back to, to embrace big decisions, important decisions coming up in episode 795 sales mindset and habits. Uh, what are the habits of a professional salesperson? I took the opportunity to ask Pierce Mars. He was my guest in episode 793, where we talked about how to win Shark Tank. Uh, but here in the Habits Show, I wanted to cover some of the, uh, we did cover some of the personal habits I normally get into, but we spent honestly a majority of time talking about successful and healthy habits of sales, for sales, of a salesperson. And you're going to hear Pierce talk about how much value or gravity I should say he gives being respectful of the person's time, cluing into the person's interests. You know, are they all business or they want to get personal? A big key is simply awareness and listening, being aware and being a student of the other person instead of focused on our agenda and task, which is to sell whatever it is. He also talks in depth about becoming an expert communicator, not only in sales, but in marriage relationships. And you'll hear him talk about he and his wife working as marriage mentors, just a, a really full and valuable show folks till then. Thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. <laughs>